Welcome or welcome back to The Bicultural Identity, a podcast created from the experiences unique to young Asians raised in a Western society. We're your hosts, Connie and Jenny. Our weekly episodes contain conversations around social issues, pop culture topics, and nostalgic childhood memories that are significant in our lives as second-gen Canadians. Before we get started, we just wanted to say we have a new website to announce. Woo-woo! It's probably not as new as um, it would be by the time this episode comes out, but we just launched it like yesterday. So we're very excited. Go check us out, thebiculturalidentity.com. We're pretty proud of it. It may not look perfect right now just because our old episode art doesn't really go with the color scheme. True. But once we get it going, like the new episode art, it's going to look really bomb. It's going to be a central place for all our podcast episode notes or show notes, whatever you call them. Blog posts will be releasing of just like anything fun we want to write about. Um, And also plug for just myself, I guess, my YouTube videos, but Connie's in them too. Yeah, I feel like I can't really commit to YouTube yet, but I will be making special appearances in them until I decide I'm too lazy of doing that or I decide I want to do my own videos or something. Nice. (laughs) Okay, on to the topic. I'm scared. Why are you scared? It's like... We've had this topic in mind since, like, before even building this podcast up. Well, yeah, and we've we been, even like, mentioned it in previous episodes, yeah. like, we'll make a two-part series on this topic. It's so hefty. Like, what if this episode is, like, an hour and a half long? Then, so it shall be. Let it be. Yes. Okay. So, exciting day today, because BTS got number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart Yay. for the first time. They're the first K-pop Woo-hoo. group to ever do so. Truly pioneering Asian representation in Western yes. media. The last time this happened was what, like that Japanese song, I think, from like decades ago. I do not know what song you're talking about, but that's pretty cool of them. Yes. Um. Yeah, so we thought it'd be a good time to start our two-part series on BTS. I think my episode will come out like later down the road, maybe when BTS releases their album or something. Come back I feel like time. It's, yeah, I feel like it's more relevant. But today we'll be delving into Jenny's journey with BTS. We're starting with me because um, like we said in previous episodes, especially our fangirling episode, I am the calmer of the haves. So like the first one will be an exploration of like how my, this sounds so dramatic, my journey with BTS has been. That's why I called it too. It's fine. Um, And like, and then the second one will be much funnier with Connie's whole journey with BTS and like how she basically, like, how they probably know her face and everything. Anyway. Oh my god, no. That was a teaser. <laughs> At first I thought my episode would be, like, way more touching because <laughs> I feel so emotionally connected to them. But now you're just making me sound, like, embarrassing. It's okay. Anyways, this episode's about you, so let's get on with it. Can I do a disclaimer first? Sure. So, um, I've tried to use, like, Stan Twitter and other things in the past, and, like, it wasn't for me, so... I'm not super, like, I think this is a disclaimer that needs to happen for, like, the population of ARMY. I'm not super well-versed in, like, the details of BTS. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know their comeback hair colors. Uh-huh. And, like, I don't know what's deemed as offensive to say or not offensive to say. It's okay. You know I'll mean? help you out with that. So I don't think I want to censor that much of that because okay. I am, like... A fan, obviously. She definitely is a huge fan because she's been into them since like the very almost the very beginning. Yeah. And she's very supportive, just not so emotionally involved. You I'm know? a low-key person, so yeah. just I'm sorry guys. Cancel me if you want, but you don't have to say that before the episode <laughs> even begins. <laughs> you haven't done anything wrong yet. Also, uh, another disclaimer, a lot of people, not gonna call them out, use BTS for clickbait. 
We would never. Yeah. Those are our boys. We well, that's never. why we've like kind of delayed talking about this topic because we don't know when the right timing is. But now we're just celebrating their success. Yeah. I think you'll be able to tell if you listen to the episode, we're not using them. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start from the very beginning, Jenny. Oh my, oh my. What should and I start with? I think we should start with how I exposed you to BTS, but you pulled me in okay. to that deep, dark hole. Yeah. We'll probably have to review this for your episode, but basically, this is when Connie and I were still in our Tumblr days, and um, it was like between the portion of One Direction where we just kind of like went on for some subtle EXO memes. Mm-hmm. Like, we weren't like committed to Tumblr anymore or anything. So it all started when Connie showed me the music video they had for just one day. It was like a softer track, mm-hmm. if you didn't know. <laughs> and it didn't really stick for me, to be honest. Jenny likes lit music. Cancel me if you want, okay? I actually listened to a lot of acoustic for some reason. This one was just not it for me, maybe back then. And like the concept was so like not There were dancing in front of a white screen, yeah. but I, for one, really liked it. Just One Day still like one of my, not my favorites, but it's like a really good BTS song in my mind. Mm-hmm. So then the reason she approached me with this was because at that time, Jungkook had actually been rising in popularity. I wouldn't say like, okay, this is like still before BTS was popular at all though. But I think he was always like... He was like more known. Yeah. People were like spreading videos of him doing girl group dances. Yeah. (laughs) He was always like their center kind of. Um, Not no hate at all. Like that's just the way like groups need to be built. And she came up to me and she's like, this guy is your age. You should stand him. I just exposed myself for being a 97 line, but that's how it is now. And I remember all I saw was on Tumblr, someone had posted his cover of Sofa. That was back then, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it was like a black screen with his voice. Oh, gee. That and was, I was an like, OG cover. Exactly. And I was listening to it and I was like, oh, like his voice is good. And then that was like my impression. You know what's funny? <laughs> I was basically projecting and like pushing you onto him because... We'll talk about this more in my episode, but obviously my bias is Jungkook, if you couldn't tell. And he's a year younger than me. I'm a 96 liner. And back then when I was in high school, I was like, ew, a younger boy? So then I was like, I can't, like, I low-key, like, denied myself liking him. So I was like, Jenny, Jenny, you take him. Like, he's awesome. Someone needs to like this guy. (laughs) And that's on toxic masculinity. (laughs) Yeah. It didn't last very long. Don't worry. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) back to me. Yes, back to you. Fast forward quite a while. And then I discovered the song Danger. I kind of had this weird classification of K-pop people by that point because we were pretty like immersed in the um, in the world of K-pop. Mm-hmm. Again, not to the K-boo level, but we were immersed. <laughs> yeah. And for me, Danger slapped so hard. It you know, slap. It was crazy. Like I kind of had this weird classification. I'm bringing through my mental brain right now my mental brain my mental map right now but i had like exo and like got seven and people like classified into this almost like superstar idol like personality based groups basically the big three groups yeah and then i had bts in the same classification as i gave block b at the time of like good music but i Mm -hmm. don't know anything about you Mm -hmm. so then that's what happened like i remember i got my driver's license in high school and then um like that was a year where we had We both went through the International Baccalaureate program. If you don't know what that is, it's like just really academic. Through that whole year, there was like so many mock exams and actual exams. Um, Oh, was it your pump up song? It was. I played it every single day. I also played it every time I was driving to school when I was allowed to by myself. And it was just my go to song. I knew nothing about BTS. You know, like I think Danger really did make an impact, even though they didn't get their first win then, because Mm -hmm. 
Um, I know Boy and Love People did cover the dance for that, but Danger is the one where I remember like every single K-pop cover group was covering That's Danger. True. Like that choreo was iconic. I think at the time I didn't even register that Danger was like by the same people as Just One Day. Like I don't <laughs> like I don't have like even to this day like I love Block B songs, mm-hmm. but I still don't really know like I can't picture them. Yeah. Okay. You, you know? can picture Zico. Yeah. But that's just because he, like, kind of made a name for himself now. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm going to bring this up on Jenny's behalf. But I'm just going to say it's super funny to me because Jenny told me when she first watched the Danger music video, she was like, <laughs> she she thought that Tay was the leader of the group. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's because he had, like, the neutral hair. And, like, leaders <laughs> the hair he never... cut with scissors. <laughs> yeah, and leaders never get, like, to shine. That's, like, a given fact of K-pop groups. So I was like, yes, leader vibes. Like, you know when you have that bowl cut and you're like, yes, Suho, leader of EXO. Yeah. <laughs> yes, V, leader of BTS. I don't and know. And he does look serious in videos yeah. sometimes. Bring it back, though. So we're not just going through my entire, like, standing timeline. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about other stuff, too. Um, after that, there was, like, this weird period where I wanted to explore beyond EXO. I think this was after the Chinese numbers left. And then um, I found VIX and their MTV Diaries. So I was on like this weird Vix standing spree. Not standing. Wow, those were the days. Yeah. So then through Vix's MTV Diaries, BTS was also filming MTV Diaries. And then they kind of collided and BTS popped up in their video. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, let me go check them out. And then you saw how chaotic they were probably. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then right from there, I went to Rookie King. Oh my god, it just spirals. Yes. And then I remember I watched so much Rookie King until I started making Connie watch them with me too. So for people who don't know, Rookie King is probably the first BTS-based variety show they did. Mm-hmm. It was just like all of them. Kind of like if you watch Run BTS now, Rookie King was like the first of that kind of yep. series that they do. And I think with the start of my exposure to their variety, I started like i think this is how what happens to everyone but you start realizing that they're it's not so cheesy but like they're a different group from Mm -hmm. polished idol groups so i actually want to ask like why do you think they're different i know why i think they're different but like what went through your brain when you first like started watching the variety and you're like oh yes i'm gonna stand this group Mm -hmm. first of all i think that they were not super polished in the sense where when I first started standing and I was watching Rookie King and MTV Diaries and everything, there was clear, at least to me, there's clear animosity between like V and Jimin at the time. <laughs> they did bicker a lot. Like, like that's what comes out from being like best friends now. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell that in the beginning of their debut, they still had some like quarrels. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know how other idol groups in big three, I won't like accuse them of this because this is what you're trained for, but they would just like smile and like sit side by side and do like interview questions or like funny mm-hmm. variety and like clapping while laughing and slapping your knee variety. <laughs> but then like BTS was like, sometimes you could tell that they just were not get, having it that day. And it was amazing, okay. you know? Yeah. So that's one thing. I think that's like the first note of like the genuineness behind the group. Yes, that's an important word. Yes. And then the second was that when I first started getting into them, I actually, my bias was RM. Mm-hmm. Because like along with listening to their music, I found Who You. Do, do you? Oh, Do You. Do You. Yes. And it was like my favorite k-rap song for some reason for a long time i mean it slapped yeah very talented man so then that's when you figure out they write their own music or they contribute of course 
other people get a ton of credit, obviously. They contribute to writing their music together and their lyrics. And that was also different from the previous idols I'd been exposed to. Mm-hmm. And then the third factor is like nobody can resist like an underdog story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When I started standing them, they weren't big. No, they weren't. They were like actually neglected by all of Korea, basically. This happened for years. Yeah. We started standing before I Need You. Mm-hmm. No, Jenny stand before, and I feel like I got really got into it during I Need You era. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they were definitely like, I couldn't even call them underdogs because I didn't even think that they would ever get big, Yeah, <laughs> which is so sad. But yeah, this was just before even their first music show win in mm-hmm. Korea. My further like justification to this is that I really don't remember the timeline. So if this is wrong, I do apologize. But this is like my first impressions all clumped together. When I saw them on Weekly Idol, my... I'm a mother fan, if that makes sense. That's like a Chinese term, muffin. Muffin. Muffin, yeah. Yeah, muffin. Yeah, I'm a mother fan. Muffin? Whoa, I didn't realize I'm that. I'm a muffin. <laughs> and when they went on, they were so abused. Oh my god, it's a scarring experience it to was watch back. actually terrible. They had no respect for them. They had no respect for their CEO. It was like a really weird episode to watch of Weekly Idol, because normally they are like weird and they're not great people, We're in talking my about opinion. The host, by yes. the way, yes, I think a lot of people have that opinion of them. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen them treat like a group with so much disrespect. And maybe it's just because it's my first time like looking into a a group that's not from like a huge company. Mm-hmm. Legit, like all I remember is that Yoongi worked so hard to make, uh, like basically he produced a song for the show, mm-hmm. and they just made fun of it. Yeah. I was like, what the heck? Like, this isn't funny. <laughs> and like when they would ask like V questions, and then he'd open his mouth and be like, "Thank you." Oh, yeah. Excuse they me. wouldn't let them talk. Anyway, that was like the another reason, I think. My mothering instincts came out. Oh, I completely forgot their dancing is good, but that's a statement within itself. <laughs> I think everyone knows that. <laughs> that yeah. does set them apart, though. Like, every K-pop group is good at dancing, but I feel like BTS has always been on a different level. Exactly. So that's my, um, the start of my career. I think, actually, I do... (laughs) (laughs) I said what I said. I stand by it. I think that's actually one thing that I always want to bring up, is that when you say that you, like, stan BTS or any K-pop group, people don't want to listen to you. And I think that's why Connie and I really wanted to get this episode out, because we hope we're speaking on behalf of, like, all the people who have... Like, you know, stand someone and mm-hmm. they like don't get listened to because everyone thinks that you just like them because they're attractive, blah, blah, blah. Okay. When oh, I, that's the most frustrating thing. Yeah. When I started liking BTS, oh my goodness, they were not attractive. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like even Yoongi admitted it in one of their recent, like, I think, Island appearances, mm-hmm. but a lot of them weren't considered conventionally attractive, especially in Korea. Yes. And obviously everyone's point of view changed with them now. And, like, it's kind of the definition of being super attractive over time rather than just being handsome right from the Mm -hmm. start. You should have seen their styling. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I totally, like, agree with Jenny. At first, standing K-pop in general was super embarrassing, and I would never want to talk about it with people who weren't, like, you know, my obviously also K-pop fan friends. Mm -hmm. And that's why I also think that, like, BTS has made such a big impact in the recent years. Because suddenly, at work, if I mention that I like BTS, people are like, oh, that's dope. Like, they've all heard of them. It's not as cringy anymore. Yeah. Somehow they've broken through that barrier and, like, made it almost okay to be a fan of, like, a boy group. But even, like, in professional context still, it, like, baffles me a little because 
you know when you join a new team, sometimes they'll onboard you and ask you like who your role model is? Yeah. So to be clear, BTS, um, the seven members are not like the first role model I would think of. And okay. that's just a personal reason. I wrote my role model to be Amy Santiago from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I think that's oh, justifiable. Yo, slay. Um, but even in the case where they were, it's weird how like you can't publicly express that even though like they've overcome yeah. so much. But then you can just put down like Elon Musk or like... Mm-hmm. Um, I saw someone put down like Jeff Bezos or whatever. And I was like... Mm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we're not going to deny that they're still really mistreated out here in the West. No, fangirls are mistreated. That's my definition. And fangirls. I'm yeah. saying, like, both the fangirls or, and... Correction, like, sorry. Foreign boy groups, especially. Fans, in general, are mistreated. Okay, true. Gotta accommodate for all genders. Indeed. So, before we move on from your kind of introduction phase to BTS, I just want to ask you this, because I, myself, actually don't know the answer to it. Okay. Jenny started off liking BTS and biasing Tay for like many many years <laughs> um and i just want to know why <laughs> like <laughs> just want to know your reasons for biasing him oh my goodness i don't know <laughs> i will say like this is where i say all fans will defer because for me it wasn't like i'm gonna marry this guy like and if you do like uh i don't think like no like if you do aim to marry someone like them it's a little problematic though when people get too invested in like dating someone like but BTS. usually it comes from or I don't want to, like, rebut you on this that specifically, but usually it comes from, like, you know, needing someone to, like, keep you company. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have felt that way before in my, like, younger years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not going to, like, shame that because been there, done that. Yep. But I just don't think it's that healthy. I mean, if someone listening does end up marrying one of the seven Yo, members... Oh, good for you. I... <laughs> what have you done right in your past life? No. Anyway, so <laughs> I biased V because I think... I have this like weird thing with all the people I tend to choose as biases where oh, I like to bully them. <laughs> I'm not a bully. It's so true. I swear I'm not a bully. But like when they're kind of like youthful and like happy, you know, it's fun to just pick on them mm-hmm. um, when they're being super like pure and like not pure. Like what do you call it? Like he is pure. Like, but not in that sense. Like just it doesn't have to be in that sense. Yeah. But like when they're super unaware, do you know what uh-huh. I mean? Yeah. And, and he's just super carefree. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just like the eccentric portion that he doesn't really have um, expressing that much anywhere. And that just happens when you age mm-hmm. where he used to like, you know, do weird stuff, like constantly like talk to himself or like, I think for me, I choose my biases strangely off, not what they're doing when the camera's on them, but like what you see them doing in the, in the background. background. <laughs> yeah. And this kid was insane. Okay. Um, and I think like through the years, he stayed my bias because Maybe Connie can, like, back me up on this, but it's, like, the way he grew, or I'll say I matured first. (laughs) I don't know if they're mature yet, but obviously (laughs) they have because they're scarred by the world of entertainment. Um, Hmm. But as, like, we both got older, the interests also tied together. Like, I'm always, I've always been a subdued person, but then he just became more subdued as well. I would argue that I think Tay has always been a little bit serious and subdued well no he used to be just awkward yeah like he some new fans act like he changed but i'm like uh i think he's always been kind of silent most of the time unless he wants to suddenly like release his energy or like just suddenly has a weird moment of Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna let loose i think it's also like i never bias a person who um takes a lead in variety because maybe that's just my preference but like i kind of like i'm just chill with like a guy in the back making like you know just vibing with everyone Mm -hmm. and 
mood maker, you know? Mm-hmm. I actually do think that's what makes, like, Tay special and BTS special because, right, like, you already said they're really genuine. I think Tay is, like, an extra genuine person mm-hmm. where, like, you can almost read through him. Like, you don't have to worry about him being, like, a fake celebrity it's like 50 percent of the time now especially when they're on like when they do their own variety shows and he's not having it he just won't talk and it's fine people always like do focus cams of him when he's like not having it because it's so funny like but it's also like you know it's my mood Uh my mood that pretty much sums up um jenny's introduction to bts and that phase of her standing career i'm sorry it's a very shallow explanation of why i used to stand v it's not shallow. Used Most to. people would probably be like, oh, um, I mean, he's uh, the number one most handsome man. On the There's like a lot more, but I just don't think that this whole episode should be on a single member. No, of course not. OT7. OT7. Let's move on. You want to talk about music next. Okay, yes. So I have very blurry memory of my time um, with the whole BTS standing career, I guess. I don't remember things well. And I think it's especially because I don't really like interact with a ton of people that um, talk about these things like I only interact with Connie basically mm-hmm. and I had like a few people on Twitter that I would talk to but Connie and I shared an account until Connie got big story for later <laughs> so I only Not like big. had two girls I talked to I think basically from Twitter and they were both as calm as me <laughs> so I don't remember things I track my milestones by songs that's a good way yes the first one that solidified my belief that I was correctly standing BTS was when they released I Need You and they released the original music video version. <gasps> oh my gosh, yes. It's that the was first like time. Raising awareness for mental health, basically. Yeah, it's like the first time I've seen something so uncensored in mm-hmm. K pop. Um, and it's very dark, so that is a warning for anyone who will go check it out that hasn't already. To me, it was like a, like, hello, we're here as like, this is like a reference to their songs, but hello, we're here as like artists. Mm-hmm. They really took their role as saying that they wanted to be artists alongside idols. I don't think they've ever disassociated themselves with the term of being idols, mm-hmm. but they kind of like pushed the boundaries further. And now we're seeing like evolution in other idol groups. And this resulted in, you know, like the vast majority of the Korean population just really disliking what they were doing in their like lyrics and rap. And even at one point, like, I think they had beef with, like, the Korean government. But I think that was just, like, a funny beef thing. Yeah. A meme moment. I forget who exactly it was. Yeah. But Yoongi's response was immaculate. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's, um, I Need You was, like, kind of, like, a pivotal point for me of, like, them setting, like, an artistic standard. And then it was also their first win. Oh. <laughs> Reminiscing on that when it's the day where they got number one in Hot 100. Yep. Very emotional. It's crazy, and it was V's first scandal, but we won't get into that. I'll oh link an article God. about it if I can find one. You way to ruin the happy thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like actually crazy because um I had just found them like maybe like half a year ago, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh wow, congrats, boys! But I was also surprised that it was their first win because Danger was such a bop to me. Well, it's because like you said, like Korea didn't really acknowledge them or treat them well at first. Mm-hmm. I think I Need You was just, like, a very digestible song for most of the public. Yeah. So if they didn't watch, like, the music video, they'd probably be like, oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. You know? That's fair. But just for also the sake of time, I don't want to spend too much on just music because everyone can just go listen to the songs. Mm-hmm. But I think the most interesting thing about being a BTS fan since the Danger era is, like, the invaluable experience of, like, actually seeing an underdog group grow. Uh-huh. It was like actually incredible, and like to this day, um, even though they got like Billboard top 
one, like top one in the top hot 100 or whatever it is. I don't see. This is what I'm saying. I don't know anything about stats, <laughs> but like to me, like I don't fully register what that means because ever since they started, I'll, I'll get to it actually. So after I need you, they came out with dope, uh, correct? Yes. And then that was a second wave of fans. Like dope was crazy. I think everyone was going crazy over Jungkook's like police officer uniform. I like, think that was mostly me around you. <laughs> no, collectively, I saw Twitter just like. Trans, like a lot of people jumped ship to BTS. Yes, that is when they made it onto YouTubers React, mm-hmm. and suddenly, like all the comments on that YouTube video were like, "Oh my God, what is this group? I yep. really like them now." So, like, I was gonna ask you when it registered in your mind that BTS was getting bigger. Is this like that time? Okay, so yes, but this is the last one that I think is like visibly in my mind identified as a milestone. So. My perception of BTS being big is still Dope Era, where I was like, oh my god, like new fans, I'm so proud. Other than like the American releases that I'll talk about later, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think Dope was like the last time I registered that they actually had like people were actually recognizing them and like, you know, giving them the attention they deserved. And then it suddenly just got bigger and bigger and you're like, whoa. I still don't know how big it is. Like, I can't really like picture numbers. That's what I'm saying, though. It's so big to the point where you're just like, you can't even fathom. Yeah, for me, the size of army stagnated at dope where i was like they did it (laughs) they hit one million views (laughs) actually though and from dope i think it was just like um i included this small piece of like a a song because i thought it was funny for me i hit a dark spot not actually it's not embarrassing but i filmed a reaction video for run this is not a challenge to go look for that reaction video um it was in first year i think i found it the other day oh my god jenny (laughs) yeah so that was run underrated by the way um but also underrated it doesn't like it wouldn't be my first choice either in a single that they've released but that's on my opinions of songs that's the beauty of it everyone has their different opinions on music yeah and then the only songs i have listed after this are like my full full send crazy impressions and that was the release of save me my mind exploded from like wow this is how bts can really push their unique sound Mm -hmm. um and then Blood, Sweat, Tears, also crazy revolutionary music. Like, I just, it was so good. I still think about, like, that single to this day, wishing a comeback will sound, like, that artistic. Not, like, the same song, you know what I mean? But, like, that... Bam. It was like a statement. Yeah. And I remember the day we watched that and it came out like so vividly because Jenny came home f- for like a Thanksgiving break. Mm-hmm. She was like usually in university in a different city. And we just like that morning we were in our pajamas and we just watched it and screamed for like <laughs> a full 30 minutes. I think Connie screamed. No, no. Like I remember you screaming. It was that. What did like, I do? Or not screaming, but you were like freaking out to a point where like, is this even Jenny anymore? Uh, okay. I remember it so well. See, this is another detail that will defer when Connie does her part two, because I don't remember where I watched all the music videos. I remember, like, the time and place I watched all the music videos for the first time. I only, remember watching, I only remember watching Dope because we were in Connie's room and she finally transitioned to a JK stand. But more, <laughs> that's, like, more for her story. Later. Yeah. The last song I have written down is Spring Day, because Spring Day, you know? I think Spring Day, in my mind, and She's again, I'm going to be wrong, is when Korea registered BTS. And they're like, I oh, yeah. I totally agree with that. They were all like, this is a good song. I think my friends were actually in Korea that summer. I do remember people telling me that it started playing in cafes. And that's like when you know that Korea accepted you. Yeah. You got to play in cafes with all the girl groups. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think Spring Day still remains like the longest charting song in Melon history. Like, I think it's still there. Well deserved. <laughs> so that's all I have on music. The one last thing I wanted to talk about that's related to performance as well is the one time that I was lucky enough to attend their concert in Hamilton for the Love Yourself. It's the Love Yourself tour. Tour. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. For me, the whole concert experience was incredible because it was like seeing your, like, this sounds so stupid. It's like seeing your, like, virtual friends. Yeah. And then they, like, kind of made it, you know? Because when I first started actually liking BTS, they were on their Red Bullet tour where they got mistreated and then everything went to chaos and then they never came back. Never remind me of that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, like, to see them in, like, an arena was like really cool and I think the energy they gave off so I think if you don't even stand BTS you should tr- wait ARMY will hate me for this statement because they're fighting for tickets but I was gonna say like if you bring your friends with you to the concert it will be like really incredible because it's the first group that I've seen just like their concert theme is also almost like let's all dance and party together I totally agree. So maybe I just won't talk about this in my episode because I was actually planning on saying this, but Jenny's completely right. The concert just feels like you're chilling with your friends, like partying with your friends and having so much fun. Mm -hmm. And like, it just feels so like personal. They make it seem so intimate when like, obviously there's tens of thousands of people around you. Yeah. I think it's a really valuable skill for them to have Mm -hmm. because I've been to, you know, other concerts like... My other great concert impressions are like involved like the Killers or Ed Sheeran. And for me, it was like they played and they performed music so artistically and they worked the stage. You know what I mean? Like, you mm-hmm. know, when people in like music critics describe concerts as like they're literally owning the stage and yeah. like, weaving the stadium together. But it, there's still like an element of a star aspect to that. And when BTS came on tour, they were kind of just like, hey, guys, like long time no see. Mm-hmm. Like, what's up? It's very cool. Like, what, like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was just like they were visiting people. Mm-hmm. And that's like really cool to be able to accomplish because I think a lot of fans, um, again, I will say something here. I'm a strangely mentally healthy person and I am aware of how privileged strangely. I am. I'm aware of how privileged I am in this situation. But like for me, I think just thinking about all the other fans I've seen online, tours can leave a huge impact on them because really, yeah. you like thought you know like you're always scared when you see people in person that they won't be the same Mm -hmm. but then like bts probably made a huge difference on all these fans because the bond i form with them through watching them is actually like jenny you're making me feel emotional okay i'm not emotional (laughs) the difference once again between me and jenny yep anyway that's my take on the concert it was just a really fun party and i don't think i got crazy this sounds crazy, but I don't think I got crazy post-concert nostalgia from that or uh, what do you call it? Depression. Depression, um, Because they were so similar to like variety and everything that it like sucks that you can't hear their music live because they're so good and they're dancing and everything. Um, And of course, like the tailored ments at the end of the concert are always nice. Yeah. But like seeing them on television was like basically this like the same because they're still genuine on their own variety shows. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So it's like when they come to a concert, like we do have tickets that were supposed to happen this year before <sighs> COVID. And I was like really excited for it. But I think it's more like you're excited for like the the show, you know, and the like atmosphere. Yeah, I want to hang out. Yeah, but, I want to like, hang out with them. I'm not like, oh, like I miss them so much. Like, come back, you know, like I, I'm aware this is probably an unpopular opinion. But it is. 
I think it's just like I I get the same experience from them everywhere because they're just very oddly genuine. I won't say they're like not hiding things because that might be something I discuss later as well. For like every celebrity, like yeah. you can't just assume a celebrity is exactly who they show on camera. Exactly. But I think BTS, like even when they make mistakes, they admit to it. And that's mm-hmm. like, you know, part of how they built up this trust with all their fans. Yeah. Very well put, very well put. Thanks. So now that we're done talking about the music portion, why don't you touch on like more general thoughts, like your general thoughts on the groups and the members? I think one thing that I do, um, like one of my biggest impressions of my personal experience with BTS is that I've had a really like fluctuating level of dedication. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why like um, generally, like I don't identify myself with like ARMY. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, like, you're a fan, but you don't feel like you're ARMY. Like, I don't <laughs> feel like I've ever joined the community. Um, yeah, like, you don't participate in streams yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah. I'm not ashamed in it. Like, I would be ashamed in saying, I tell, like, all my friends know I'm a fan. Like, a bunch of people in my office know I'm a fan, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, I don't think I've had enough interactions with the ARMY to, like, name myself as one of their community members. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, when I was in university, which was, like, the peak of BTS's growth... There was so much going on in my daily life that I never participate in streams, like Connie said, or like I don't really keep track of the numbers of their growth, but Mm -hmm. I just know that they're like succeeding. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that has been interesting to me, seeing that these days, like on the Internet and everything, when you're a fan of anyone, the other fans like kind of try to grade you based on your dedication to the group. Like, again, I think that people like give way too much negativity to the bts army fandom and that's like someone who i like i genuinely think i'm speaking from outside the perspective of that okay that's good um and that's just because like fandoms are like supposed to be diverse right and like the negative actions are not like meant for to reflect the whole fan base exactly and we're kind of delving into like one of my other topics which is about the fandom but i think being someone from outside the what do you call it the mainstream fandom Mm -hmm. it's been interesting like i think it's so cool that everyone's so dedicated to push them in streams to the top because like they really do owe it to the fandom for getting them into like the american mainstream market and to get their number one spot in billboard today they did legit amazing work Mm -hmm. so dedicated like i think my overall stance is like the fandom is like really like people just need to leave them alone stop using them for clickbait also oh my god you know like it seems like people and ARMY are not stupid. Like, they catch on. They out people who are being stupid. Yeah. But also, it's, like, annoying to me that they think that that's the way to profit when BTS and, like, the fandom themselves had to build themselves up to this level. I know. Oh, my God, Jenny. You're making me heated. I'm trying so hard to stay silent. Continue with your rant. Yeah, okay, sure. I don't watch anything. Like, I just watch BTS music videos in their variety. I don't watch, like, external, like... Actually, sometimes Connie and I will watch compilations, but I don't do it really on my own. Um, I don't watch other people react to them. Like, I just don't watch those, like, external content, but I see how many views they get. Mm -hmm. And, like, I see random people doing it. I appreciate how it contributes to the hype because... Asian representation needs all the help it can get and they get so much hate on the side but also like why you know it's like the same thing as how everyone suddenly jumped on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon or everyone jumps onto like the pride wagon when it's pride month don't just do it for the positive branding do it because you actually genuinely care about it yeah I think that there's with k-pop there's like the term Korea boo and that's like an extreme sense where you like fetishize a culture yeah but at the same time a lot of problems with these influencers that are using bts is that if you want to use bts and you genuinely like their music use the chance to look into korean culture and understand like 
what they built themselves from. An amazing PSA, Jenny. Yes, thank you. So that's my thoughts combined on the fandom and my level of dedication. I think it's cool what everyone's doing. If the fandom is listening, it's cool what you guys are doing. Um, and I do consider myself a subset of you. So please don't reject me because I'm here to stay. I've been here for five years. I'm not leaving. <laughs> um, but I'll just be here quietly. And I'm backing you up quietly as well. Just that's not a so very sweet, outspoken Jenny. person. That's fine. Yeah. Everyone stands in their own way. But please stop canceling random people. Can I say that? Yeah, can you, you can leave say that, that. In, please? Yeah. Just, I think fans need to learn to, like, react less to, like, irrelevant human beings. It's like <laughs> when you, yeah, like, when you evaluate each other based on your dedication to BTS, I don't think that's necessary. Uh-huh. And then the same is, like, they evaluate other celebrities based on their dedication mm-hmm. to BTS. And, like, if they're hopping on the bandwagon, just don't interact with their yeah, posts. Yeah, just don't acknowledge. Don't it's even fine. click on them. Like, they can see how many people click on them. So just, like, don't touch it. You know, I did want to ask you, Jenny, because Mm -hmm. the bulk of what you were talking about today was, of course, like the era where you actually like were more invested, like, you know, blessed and tears and prior. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on like the new wave towards America and like how they're being treated? Also, the new like charity work they're doing and all the philanthropy they're doing. Loaded question. Yeah. Okay, so I'll start off with um the first question, which is their move into America. I think a lot of fans from what I see, like, are genuinely very heated about the way they're being treated on American mm-hmm. television. I am too, of course, like, growing up here, not in America, but in North America, I've dealt with racism and I've dealt with, like, ignorant behavior. And that's what all K-pop idols are dealing with right now with, like, stupid interview questions, <laughs> stupid treatment. Like, Tell me about it. Being, like, fetishized or being treated, like, so cute and, like, you guys are so cute, you have nothing important to say. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But... I think because I was around since Danger, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, you're like, used to it. It's kind of like Weekly Idol, you yeah. know? Like, <laughs> they're kind of doing their thing and just being hated on, and they've done like seven years of this. Mm-hmm. Eight years? Seven? seven? Seven years? Seven. Map of the Soul Seven. <laughs> Promo. Yeah, like they've done this for so long. I don't think it would affect them as much. And I think that the best part of this all was when they first came to America, they were so happy. And then when they came for their red carpets and everything, they were so happy. And the second time they came, they were like, huh. <laughs> why are we here? Everyone started making those jokes of like Jimin hating America, Taehyun yeah. hating America, which of course, like take lightly. Of course they don't hate, but it's just sometimes when you're a little scarred. I think it's a perk of being a fan of like, global artists because when I grew up here and I only was exposed to Hollywood I thought it was like so glamorous I thought red carpets were so cool and they were like finally presenting the projects they were proud of and like Mm -hmm. movies and everything but by seeing like other people with the same dreams as us as like minorities yeah um get to those red carpets and then realize it wasn't much like, it was just, like, you know, a well-executed, well-oiled business machine, uh-huh. which is what entertainment is. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I think K-pop gets accused of that so often. And then when they came and got that impression from America, it's, like, a validation for us to stop comparing ourselves to what marketing is trying to tell us to do and buy, you know? Especially what Western marketing yeah, exactly. is trying to tell us to do. Yeah, And I do think, like, it shows that a lot of Western, like, entertainment industry companies are, like, trying to use them for clout. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, include them in all the award shows, let them present or perform, but then don't nominate them. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you trying to do? I think overall, it's like in Korea, they kind of fought the battle of having an artist's voice Mm -hmm. um, and being able to talk about taboo topics there. And like now that they moved to America, they're fighting for like the right to represent music from across the world and represent like different colored skin. Yeah. Um, And I'm about that because, oh, my God, like, help me, you know. (laughs) 
when they came out with boy with love i heard someone at work talking about it and they were not like part of the k-pop crew obviously just like you can assume what i mean by that Mm -hmm. but i just thought it was like so cool that they finally reached the people that i want to look at me like i'm normal i know same here my coworkers were like did you watch bts on carpool karaoke with james corden i'm like yeah you watch that too like (laughs) it's so good like it's so good for us it's like a selfish thing where Uh um like at the beginning of the career i supported a lot like i bought their albums i actually streamed maybe a little bit for like a few of the songs they mentioned in the beginning Mm -hmm. and then like it's nice to see that our dedication and our investment in them like knowing that they were a golden group that was waiting to be discovered Mm -hmm. is like paying off for us unintentionally yeah you know it feels like we made a really good investment. Yeah, it's like my <laughs> my sons grew up and then they like brought me back money and allowance, oh, you know? Yeah. That's how it feels. <laughs> cool. And so I also asked you about like their philanthropy. Oh yeah. Okay. Super cool. Since their love yourself concept, which was incredible by the way. Or love myself, love yourself, love yourself. all those things. Yeah. And then speak yourself. That was like the crazy moment where in like I think there was always like the meme of like President Namjoon. But, like, the moment he spoke on the United Nations with, like, that level of fluency in a language that is not his and people seem to think they're superior when they are born speaking it. Yeah. No shade. But, (laughs) yes, like, when he goes up there fluently, says what they need to say about, like, the entire campaign with the UN, it's so powerful. And I was just, in that moment, I just, like, you know, stood up salute, like, Mr. President, you know? It was such an emotional experience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it's just like they've built their way up and I'm so glad that since the beginning of their build to fame, they've always like given back to the Korean community and then now they're at the level that they can give back to the world community. Mm -hmm. One thing that we were just talking about today though that I wish would be better, but again, this is like kind of holding like one person who just happens to have a career in being famous accountable for too many things. Yeah. But this is my personal value, which is I wish that they would be a little more vocal about sustainability because it affects like the generation that us and BTS are living in right now. Yeah. So, like, young people always, like, eat takeout. All mm-hmm. celebrities, like, don't cook, basically. That's a broad statement, but, like, most of them. And, like, celebrities are the, like, epitome of consumerism. Mm-hmm. Like, all the clothes they have to buy to, like, conform to trends. I think it's the messaging that I want to see. Like, um, it's an important part. Like, it's really cool that they fought for, like, the Love Yourself campaign and, like, also, like, for the children um uh, the end violence campaign yeah like with um the united nations or unicef 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 and like all these different things they keep getting involved in and like the small donations they keep giving that are low-key and then uh, sometimes the fans will catch them you know what i mean the king of doing that is yoongi yeah i love that man and like i think that's so important and i just wish they would do something like you know Billie eilish like she's obviously not like a master of sustainability but just like hiring an extra company to make her tour more sustainable is making a political statement uh-huh. But I do, like, in their defense, I guess, I find Asia, although, like, their government does try to implement stuff to help out with sustainability, the people, like, aren't as educated about these things. Yeah. So that's, like, a big reason why. But it is nice to see that their, like, campaign with Hyundai, they're trying to promote electric cars now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a good start. They yeah. did an interview recently. They've made their statement on, like, very large moral issues. hmm with UNICEF, they've made their stance clear with like a really well drafted tweet about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. When um everything was on fire. 
And they donated so much money. Yeah. And they've made statements in the like LGBT, like everything. I just wish there was like something more explicit about sustainability. sustainability because I think especially when your country is not educated about it, that's when the largest responsibility be, yeah. falls on yeah. you. But at the same time, again, I'm aware they're literally seven. Okay, this is one thing that I think why I've always stayed calm around them is like when I reached university point and I became like the same age as like a lot of the celebrities I was standing, mm-hmm. I just had this like wake up moment where I was like, oh, like my friend sitting next to me could just be this guy. Yeah. You know? And I understand there are like seven boys who are trying to, I did say boys. <laughs> I'm not taking that back. Who are trying to like navigate the world and they just happen to like be really famous and it kind of sucks sometimes. So like I don't want to hold them responsible for it, but I just wish. Yeah. It's like your personal wish. Yeah. But they're already doing so much good. So mm-hmm. that's the takeaway. Cool, cool. I guess we're wrapping it up. Do you have any final words to say about BTS before we move on to recommendations? So I've been with them. This is like, this is like when you win an award. Oh my when God, they Daddy, win an award. This is the cheesiest you'll ever be. Wait, this is my ment. Oh, this is your ment. <laughs> okay. So I've been with them since, why am I rapping? So I've been with them since Danger to Now. And I think it's like been so incredible seeing them grow. Like they genuinely feel like, like I said before, they feel like my long distance friends that I've just seen like achieve what they started with when they had so little. Yeah. And I think that what people refuse to listen to when, in my case, I'm a fangirl, which comes with misogyny and the stigmas behind being a fan. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm a fangirl, nobody listens to why we choose to stand BTS. That's so true. They basically, like, you know how they always, fans always say they give back to you, but I don't think that's like exactly, like I'm not emotional to that point, uh-huh. but seeing that they started in a basement with like literally nothing and then were abused by the emotion, like the entertainment industry mm-hmm. this entire time. Um, and they like built up so much fame. Sometimes like I hit slumps and everyone hits slumps. To be clear, I really love my career and my job, but you hit slumps all the time. Definitely. Or, or like part you, of life. Exactly. Or you have hobbies that you actually want to build into something, which is what we're doing right now with our bicultural mm-hmm. identity brand. But you just like lack motivation. But then I think BTS is like so cutthroat and so like honest about how much physical and mental effort they had to put into everything. Like they're all like not capable of moving properly when they're not on stage. Oh God, you know? don't bring it up. I'm so sad. And it like <laughs> inspires me to like actually work for stuff I want because... That's cute. Yeah, like I have an attitude where I can't finish things properly sometimes or like I'll start something because I think it's fun and then when it gets too detailed, I won't do it anymore. Uh-huh. But then recently like um, with BTS and with like a few other celebrities that I've been following, they work so hard on everything and I'm like, oh, I should probably like get my life together and like yeah, actually... Stop being a lazy ass. Like actually commit to something I enjoy and then hopefully still enjoy it when I commit it to it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's a good way to sum it up. So, yeah, thanks, friends um, across the ocean. Uh, do I do... I'll be a kamsamnida. I can oh speak Korean better than that, but I don't want to. You the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Nice, nice. Thanks. So, Jenny will be talking a lot today because she also has a recommendation. Oh, goodness. Okay. I'll be talking way more when I do this BTS episode. True. I have somewhat of a unique recommendation today. It's technically a local production of Canada, but it's bicultural. Uh-huh. And also it's weird because it's like friends of friends, if that makes sense, that have done this project. So it's really weird because they don't know me that well. Why don't you just define this relationship? We're all in a book club together. Yeah. But, he, but they kind of they... got brought along by other members of the book club. Yeah. So I'm only just reading it, but it's already very good. And I'm on page like, I don't know. Let me see. I'm on page 23 out of 52. Uh-huh. Oh, so I'm almost done. Yeah. They created a really, really cool one-shot manga 
Mm -hmm. Um, And they drew and like wrote it. Basically, one of the guys wrote it and then one of the guys drew it together. And it's a total of like 53 pages. It's called Ride or Die Delivery Boy Wen Shun. I'm going to say it in a white way. Um, but yeah, it's by these guys called Tristan and Eric. Um, Hi, guys. Yeah, guys I don't think listen they listen to, to this. There's no way. But anyway, um, it's just like a really cool project. And I've already started reading into, like I said, page 23. And there's so many values hidden within it. That um, Yeah. So I'll, I'll probably talk to them about it in our book club later. But there's so many like values underlying of immigrant families and how much work you put into your families mm-hmm. um, but in a dramatic manga kind of way as someone who doesn't read much manga I don't know what my experience is on this but the drawing is incredible and the story is really well done with like all the themes and like the underlining meanings already and I'm like just almost halfway through I have it open on my browser I'm ready to delve into mm-hmm. it tonight I'll link it in our show notes um, but definitely give it a read. Like, it's going to be a fast read. It's 53 pages, but like, it's incredible what they put together. And I think it's cool that young people in Canada are like creating, creating stuff manga? like this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, should I give a synopsis? Go ahead. So from what I gather, I can't find a synopsis on their Instagrams right now, but from what I gather, um, it's about like this delivery boy, but he lives in a completely gang ridden city so there's like different factions of gangs and everything and the only way for you to survive as a normal person is to have a really good restaurant that does really good takeout oh and like basically it's like it already is like super funny and yeah that actually sounds so interesting yeah it's really funny (laughs) anyway good job guys also eric is also a bts stan so so this episode is apparently dedicated to eric now it's all bts themed Okay, so that's my take on BTS and my recommendation. Um, I really appreciate being featured this episode. It almost felt like I was a guest. And I didn't say everything I had to say because there's too much. We actually have to crop out a lot of stuff because we realized... We've been recording for an hour and a half. Yes, there might be a part three of this. (laughs) Um, But to everyone who, like, wasn't a BTS fan and has listened to this point, I really appreciate you guys hearing me out because uh, that's one notch down from misogyny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, accepting Asian culture. Exactly. So, um, and to like any fans that might stumble on this, I don't even know if that's possible. Welcome. And I hope you enjoyed what I had to say. I also fully accept constructive criticism on what you think about what I had to say. Mm-hmm. So, Connie, why don't you end us off? Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed our discussion on this week's topic. To hear more, you can subscribe to The Bicultural Identity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. While you're at it, we would also greatly appreciate any reviews on iTunes or simply sharing our podcast with your family and friends. But of course, no pressure. As well, any opinions and experiences discussed are solely based on our own experiences as second gens. We invite you to share your thoughts on our social media at TBI Podcast on Twitter and at the Bicultural Identity on Instagram, where you can also find the link to our website for our show notes and more content. Thanks again for listening and be sure to tune in next Monday for our next episode. See you then.